So if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Philippians chapter 1. And if you haven't already, you can go to montgomeryfbc.org slash live stream and get the sermon notes and you can fill them out along with me. And you can also uh, download the First Baptist app and you can type in your sermon notes. And again, they'll be stored somewhere up in the cloud for you to access at a moment's notice. But uh, follow along. This is a great opportunity for us as we journey through the book of Philippians to see the hand and heartbeat of God through Paul and speaking to our hearts. So let's dive into this. Last week, we talked about uh, Paul being a servant of Christ Jesus, that he is at work in our lives, that he is not reactionary, that he is at work and doing incredible things. And Paul is so thankful for the good gifts of partnerships in the gospel. I hope that you had the opportunity to reach out to some of those mentors and beloved friends who have poured their life into you and reached out and said, thank you for the way that you have loved me and encouraged me. And this morning, we're going to dive into this incredible, incredible passage of scripture that's super timely as we walk through this pandemic season that what's really happening here, this good news that the gospel has not stopped, that the word of God has not stopped going forward. And we're going to see Paul's hand clearly years ago communicating even to us today the good truths that we can plant our feet in, that we can rest in and we can hope in as we walk forward into this uncertain world. So let's dive in here. Philippians 1, starting in verse 12. Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some preach Christ from envy and rivalry and others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaiming Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. Let's pray as we start this morning. Dear Father, thank you. Father, I pray that your word would convict us. Lord, I pray that whatever we walk through, we would see it as an opportunity to better reflect your good truth that you love us and that you have transformed our lives. So be with us now as we open your word, and would, we, would it change our hearts as we leave uh, and go out into the world around us? It's in your name we pray. Amen. The first thing that you see on your outline is that Paul's imprisonment propelled the gospel. Paul's imprisonment propelled the gospel. What you see right here is Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has really happened here has served to advance the gospel. Now, there, there's some uh, maybe discussion and misinformation about what's been back to the Philippian church. Paul is put in prison because he is sharing the gospel and showing the gospel. And so they've put him in prison to silence him, to keep him quiet and to stop the gospel from going forward. And so people may be questioning and wondering, saying, why is this, what, what's happening, Paul? Why are you in prison? This isn't fair. This isn't right. God, what are you doing? And in this moment, I want you to think about and put yourself, I know that we're not Paul and we don't have the same experiences. We, we are not Paul, but I want you to put yourself in his shoes for a moment. Feel the same experiences that Paul may feel in this moment. Feel the same emotions. I know if I am writing this letter, if I'm walking in Paul's shoes, I, I want to take this exercise for a moment and just get you to do it as well. Imagine that the Lord has transformed your life. That he has taken you and done this incredible work in your life. That you are Paul and God has just transformed your life immeasurably. And you are a changed man. 
At this point, you give everything. As a servant of Christ Jesus, you leave everything behind. You're going on these missionary journeys, starting churches, doing incredible gospel mission, incredible work for the Lord who has transformed you. And you get put in prison. Now, at some level, my heart is a little bit like, that. that's not fair. That's not right. Come on, God, I don't know that you have this thing figured out. Paul would do better off. He's a great evangelist and teacher and missionary, starting churches and planting churches. I think maybe, God, you got this one a little bit wrong here. Paul is doing everything by the book. He's doing the right thing. He's starting churches. He's planting churches. He's sharing the gospel. He's showing the gospel. He's left everything behind. He's doing everything according to the will of God, but he's in prison. Is that fair? Is that right? And this, honestly, this puts a stake in the heart of false teaching and prosperity gospel that would say, if you just follow Jesus and do what he calls you to do, you'll have that promotion, you'll get what you need, everything and all your troubles will whisk away. And you see from Paul's life time and time and time again that the prosperity gospel does not match up with the gospel, which is the word of God, that God has loved us and saved us from the pit of hell. And he had never, at no point, promises us an easy life that we'll coast through this thing, that if we get baptized and we follow Jesus, that we're going to have a rosy life until the Lord calls us home. What you see right here is a man who is resolutely walking with the Lord, who is sharing Jesus at every turn of the hat, that that Jesus has transformed his life, and he is telling everyone about it so much so that he is being so effective with this gospel advance that they've put him in prison to shut him up. Let me ask you this question. If you are following Jesus and doing everything that Lord has called you to do and following him and sharing and showing the name of Jesus and you're put in prison, what is your reaction? I gotta be honest, I would be a little frustrated. Well, God, don't don't you think that I need to be out there with the people, loving people and encouraging people? I don't need this prison. I need a bigger platform, God. Don't you think that I need a, a bigger platform to go and speak and show and share the love of Jesus? I'm in prison and I've been stopped. This isn't fair. This isn't right. What about the people who need me in this moment? But I think that Paul was in tune as a servant of God to realize in this moment that what was really happening What was really happening in this prison was not the gospel being stopped, but the gospel being propelled forward. I need us to realize this incredible truth that Paul saw his prison chains not as a stop to the gospel, but as a clear opportunity for the gospel to go forward and spread even further. This wasn't a detour to say, when I get out of here and when everything goes back to normal, I'll finally start sharing and showing the gospel. No, while Paul was in prison, this was the gospel opportunity that he needed, an opportunity that he otherwise may not have had. And so I want us to realize deep in the recesses of our soul that Paul's imprisonment did nothing but propel the gospel forward, to take the gospel out in different ways and different means. And it would be so easy. It would be so easy for Paul to say, well, I guess I just need to get out of the prison and then I'll start living for the Lord again. Or, man, this isn't fair. This isn't right. God, why are you not with me? Why have you left me in this prison? Just to, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I don't know if I'm getting out of here. Lord, this isn't fair. And if you get me out of here, then I'll start living for you. See, we can have this tendency in our hearts to say, when I get to this stage, 
When I get to this thing, when I get out of this hard and difficult situation, then I'll start living for the Lord. Then I'll start doing the things that God has called me to. But the way Paul saw it was that everything, everything was a gospel opportunity. Let's go to this next point that is clear from this scripture is that everything that we walk through is an opportunity for the gospel. Everything that we walk through is an opportunity for the gospel. And this is a hard, hard truth and reality. This is not easy. And what I'm saying and speaking to you, I know is not an easy thing. This past week on our uh, Bible Fellowship Zoom call, we had the joy of having Liesl Langer join our class. And that sweet, precious girl shared that as she has walked through this journey with cancer, her goal is to lift up and reflect the name of Jesus, to make God look great. Because God has given her peace and comfort and strength to walk through the hardest of challenges. She didn't say, when I get over my cancer, then I will start proclaiming God and I'll show and demonstrate how good God has been in my life after the cancer. No, in the midst of her journey, that girl is lifting up her God. See, for many of us, we look at these challenges and say, oh, this is terrible. This is a detour. If I can just get over it, if I can just get past it, then I'll start living for the Lord. But everything that we walk through is a gospel opportunity. When the Lord detours us and we have these challenges and difficulties, when things don't work out the way that we think they should, when we are stricken with difficulties and ailments, do we see this as a gospel opportunity to proclaim the trust and hope that we have with the lost world who is looking at us like, what? Don't you think that other people seeing Paul in prison are saying, how is this guy still jubilant? How is he still, as we'll see later in Philippians, how is he still rejoicing? This doesn't make sense. But for us in Christ, if we go back to Philippians 1.1, if we're going to be like Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, we see that everything we walk through, if we are in Christ, is a transformative opportunity for us to proclaim the good news that God has changed us and given us hope and peace that surpasses all understanding and all seasons of life when we just don't quite understand it. So friends, everything is a gospel opportunity. Several years ago, I got the opportunity to preach this passage of Scripture. And I had finalized the details and I had worked through and I think I'd finished up on about a Tuesday or Wednesday and I felt really good about this sermon that I was going to preach that is very similar to this morning. And I had a dentist appointment on Thursday morning and I was uh, late to work and I was coming down into Birmingham and, you know, Birmingham and traffic go together. And so I'm coming into Birmingham and uh, on the interstate and I'm backed up really far and I'm just kind of getting frustrated. Man, I'm going to be late. I'm going to have a, a lot of work piled up and this is going to be frustrating. And I'm, I'm just lamenting to myself of how bad the situation is that I'm late for work, stuck in traffic. And I just went to the dentist and got some cavities filled so my teeth are hurting. And this is just, woe is me, is it not? And as I'm sitting there, I look into the rear view mirror, look back and I see this car going about 70 miles an hour. And I know in that split second that I'm about to get hit. And out of nowhere, I get hit in the back and it pushes me over into the side of the interstate there. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, thankfully I'm not hurt. I'm okay. I begin to think, God, this is just miserable. Lord, this isn't right. Now I got to get a tow truck. I got to figure out what to do with this car. This is just frustrating and this is miserable. God, this is not how my week was supposed to go. I got things to do. I got places to be, people to meet with. I got job opportunities I need to deal with. Lord, this is not good. And then I got slapped with these truths that if I believe everything, even these detours, and I'm not saying that 
God orchestrated this wreck, but I'm going to say that I'm going to use this opportunity that the Lord has put on my path in this moment. So as I walk over to this girl who has just hit me in the back with her car, I walk over and I think, Lord, just help me, calm my nerves. I'm frustrated right now, but Lord, let, let me just, let me proclaim your good news as a preacher of your gospel. I believe your word, so let me come over. And so as I walk over to this girl, I see that she is weeping. She's shaking. And as I ask her if she's okay, she just said, I am so sorry. I saw an 18-wheeler pulling over into my lane, and at the last second, I thought I was going to die. In the last moment, I just pulled over as hard as I can, and I'm so sorry I hit you, but I thought my life was over. And so in that moment, When I went from frustration and anger at the situation, it became a gospel opportunity to witness of the hope that we have in Jesus. And as she was thinking about her reality of eternity in that moment that she almost died, this became an opportunity to just share for her the peace and the hope and the trust that we have in Jesus. And friends, they don't always look like wrecks. They look like simple opportunities on our pathway that I believe the Lord gives us on a daily basis where we can share and show and demonstrate that every opportunity that we walk to is an opportunity for us to proclaim the hope and the trust that we have in Jesus. Everything is an opportunity for the gospel. And secondly, we believe that God is at work whether we see it or not. As Paul is in prison, he saw that as an opportunity to share and show the love of Jesus with the whole imperial guard, with the people around him. God was at work to lead Paul, even as he proclaimed the gospel, to lead him and allow him to be in prison. And so he could share the gospel with the prison guards and the other inmates. I mean, this is, isn't this incredible that we believe that God is at work and he is active. He is not reactionary. This likens back to the story of Joseph that we see in Genesis. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers who wanted to kill him but ended up selling him to the Ishmaelites to make a quick buck. Joseph goes on this journey of slavery where he's put into Potiphar's household and he rises up the ranks of Potiphar's household. Eventually, he is falsely accused of sexual misconduct that lands him into prison. And for over something like 20-something years from the journey that he took with his brother selling him off into slavery, he rises up the ranks from prison to slavery to being falsely accused of sexual misconduct for 20-some-odd years. Joseph is on this journey where God takes him through pathway and pathway and prison cell. And so the Lord elevates him to save this nation and save his family. And in this climax moment of Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 20, when his brothers come to him, Joseph says these impactful words that almost liken back to what Paul is telling us in Philippians 1.12. Joseph said, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. That God is working all things together for the, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so even as Paul sits in prison, even as Joseph went through 20 some odd years of imprisonment, of not knowing what was going to happen to him, he boldly and in faith followed his God with integrity. Paul sat in prison knowing that this was an opportunity for the gospel to go forward, not sulking in his circumstance. Do we believe God is at work in your circumstances today? 
Do we believe and trust him with our lives so much that when he takes us through detours, when he allows things in our life that we say, thank you, Lord. I know that this is not easy. This is not simple. I know this is hard and this is a challenge, but because of what you have done in my life and in my soul, I want to radiantly proclaim your good news to the people around me with my life, with my actions, and with my deeds. See, Paul's imprisonment only propelled the gospel in huge ways. And we see that God is at work and everything that Paul walked through was an opportunity to proclaim the good news of the gospel. But see, there's a second thing that happened here. As you continue reading in this portion of scripture, as Paul says, come in close. I want you to know, don't be alarmed. The gospel is still going forward. Good things are still happening. The the word of God has not stopped and ceased. As Paul says, come in close here, brothers. Listen here closely that this thing that has happened has only served to propel the gospel. He also gives a byproduct of his imprisonment. Did you catch it? He says, so that the whole imperial guard and all the rest in my imprisonment is for Christ. And then verse 14. It says, and most of the brothers, having, been, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Oh, man, this is, this is good right here. This is good that by Paul's imprisonment, other brothers around him are seeing Paul's example. And now they are emboldened to share and demonstrate their faith with other people. Paul's gospel advance has emboldened other people to be more uh, just advantageous in the opportunities that God has given them. I think back to several, several months ago, I can't remember exactly when it was, we went to a little birthday party. It's a little birthday party with a bunch of kids and they had this awesome water slide. This thing was a, a big old water slide and man, I wanted to get in it, but I didn't, I didn't quite dress properly and Micah's there and you know, he's a little more shy and bashful right at first. And so as Micah comes up, as we see this incredible water slide right in front of us, I'm thinking, Micah, man, hey, hop on that water slide. You're going to love this thing. Just slide down it. You will love going on this water slide. I'm trying to convince him and encourage him. Say, hey, Micah, go, man. You love this thing. Go water slide, man. Do it. You're going to love it. It's water. It's a slide. I mean, how can you not love that? And so he's not going and I'm getting kind of frustrated, man. Just go up the slide, you know, come on, man. And so I, finally I think, okay, well, I'm just going to go take this little boy and I'm going to take him up to the slide and he's going to go down this water slide. And so he's kicking and screaming. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't working. This isn't right. And so we just sit there and just kind of hold his hand and we're watching all these other kids have a ton of fun going down the water slide, having the time of the life and no amount of convincing. And I tell him, Micah, man, you got it. You can do it. I promise you, you can do this thing. You can go water slide. You're going to love it. And all of a sudden, one of his best buddies hops onto the scene. All right, and one of Micah's best friends runs back up the back of that slide and he goes down and Micah watches. He goes back up the backside. He goes down again. And this little buddy of Micah's goes up and down the slide and his joy in his face, I can see Micah begin to say, hey, hold on a second. He's okay. He's going down that water slide and he's fine. He's going down again and he's fine. He's going down again. He's okay. And all of a sudden, Micah says, I I think I got it. And you can see him tiptoe over and go down down the back. And all of a sudden, as Micah watched his best buddy go down that slide time and time again, eventually, Micah goes down that slide And time and time again, we had to drag him off that water slide because in that moment, Micah saw the boldness and the confidence of his little buddy go down that slide. Micah could go down that slide with confidence. And friends, this is what Paul's example looked like to the other believers. 
They watched the way that Paul shared and showed the gospel. They watched the way he was emboldened in prison to share with the prison guards, thinking he's not worried about more prison time. All he's worried about is the gospel going forward. And so other believers are seeing Paul's example, and they begin to share more confidently, more boldly. Isn't this cool? Isn't this an incredible testimony that as we begin to share and show Jesus, other people are following our lead. They become more emboldened to share and show as we step out in faith. So what did Paul instill here? There's three things that you see in the scripture that Paul instills. First, he instills a release of fear. Paul instills a release of fear. As they watch Paul, there's a releasage of fear to say, if Paul can do it, I can do it too. Right? Fear of unknowns and questions and circumstances. Say, I don't know what this is going to look like. They get to watch Paul's example and follow suit. So there's a beauty in a release of fear. Watching Paul, you see here that they were much less fearful to preach the gospel. They also had a greater confidence as they watched Paul and his confidence, not that he was going to have all the answers or not in all this great wisdom that he had, but as they watched Paul's confidence to share that came from the Lord, they knew, man, I may not have all the answers. I may not be equipped in all the right ways, but I am confident that God is with me. I am confident that the Holy Spirit will speak on my behalf and I can trust in him to walk with me. And so the other believers are more confident. And lastly, the, Paul instilled a boldness to speak. Man, this is good. As the other believers watch Paul's example, they are, have a releasing of their fear. They have a greater confidence and a more boldness to speak. And friends, how about you? As you step out to follow Jesus, as you step out to share and show the love of Jesus, I believe as you step out in faith, there are other people who are watching your example who will be encouraged by your example to step up as well. This past week on our ABCs of evangelism, we have this wonderful class. I would love if you have not tuned in or have not yet taken that class, it is an incredibly encouraging class for a multitude of ways, but one in particular. Every week as we come to the beginning of class, we stop for a moment and just say, how are you able to share your faith this week? And usually, Scott and Debbie McLaughlin have an incredible story. This week, Scott and Debbie had invited someone that they needed to buy some stuff from. They invited them over to their house. And what could have been a simple transaction to say, I need some of what you have, and so I want to buy it from you, turned into an opportunity to give them an ABC track and make sure that that person had their eternal destination taken care of. I'm so encouraged to say, I mean, if Scott and Debbie can use that opportunity that they have somebody to their house to sit in their living room and encourage them with the gospel, I can do that too. As I listen to other stories of people sharing with their waiters and waitresses the good news of Jesus and see how simple it is to just at, at dinner just to say, hey, how can I pray for you? I am emboldened to also do the same thing more confidently. As we watch other people use their gifts and talents and resources for the kingdom, man, it only invigorates my soul to say, if they can do it, I can do it too. As Micah's buddy walked up the back of the water slide and came down, there are other people, I believe, who are watching for you to take that courageous step in faith to use the gifts, talents, and resources that God has blessed you with. And I believe as you step forward in faith, man, there will be people who will say, man, if he can do it, I can do it too. I believe that there's confidence in trusting in the Lord. So this great byproduct of Paul's insistence that the gospel go forward is this incredible truth that the other believers are much more emboldened to share and show and demonstrate their faith. 
Friends, this all goes back to this core truth that Paul says in Philippians 1.1, that he is a servant of Christ Jesus. This doesn't make sense for us to walk into prison and reflect God if we do not have a personal trust and relationship with Jesus. We will not experience, as it'll talk about in Philippians 4, 6, that peace that surpasses all understanding if we don't have a trust in Jesus. Paul doesn't do all this just because he feels that he does all this because he has been transformed by the singular truth that he was dead in his sins and his trespasses, but God has made him alive together with Christ. None of this makes sense unless you have a real and thriving relationship with Jesus. See, nominal Christianity will just say, God, teach me, show me, and just let me live my life and let me be happy and let me follow whatever I want to do. But a true trust in Jesus says whatever I walk through. Lord, if I am sick, I want to praise you. Lord, if I am struggling, I want to praise you, knowing that you are with me and you have taken my life from the pit of hell and redeemed me and given me new life. And friends, if you don't have that relationship with Jesus, he has not taken your sins as far as the east is from the west. If you have not trusted your life to Jesus, why not today? What's holding you back from giving your life to Jesus and having that transformative spirit take hold of your life and take your sins far, far away to have your eternal destination perfectly secure, not in the good things that you have done, but the good work that God has done in in you through Jesus. So friends, as we pray for you, I want to ask that your heart would be open, that you would ask yourself that question, do you know? Do you know deep in your heart that you know Jesus as your Savior? Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much that if we will turn to you, if we will give our lives to you, if we will trust in you, you will take our sins away and you will ransom our salvation. You have done it on the cross. So Lord, we want to put our trust in you. If, we, if there's a, a, a brother or sister right now listening to this service who has not yet done that, Lord, I pray that their heart would be pricked and that they would, they would reach out to someone for help. It's as simple as admitting their sin, believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus and calling upon his name. So Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Friends, if you have made that decision, if you have trusted in Jesus, if you want to trust in Jesus, right now there's going to be a number on the screen that I want you to call in, text in. It's going to be at the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. I want you to call in as soon as you can or text in. There's a, a brother right here who wants to talk to you and pray with you and encourage you as you follow Jesus. Don't leave this worship opportunity this morning with unfinished business between you and the Lord. Call in, text in right now.